evening. Welcome to Studying in the Word. I am Minister Michelle Carter Douglas. It is a blessing to have this nourishment this evening on October the 18th, 2022. I do want to encourage everybody to stay focused, stay prayed up, study in the word, and exercise your right to vote this November. Praise God. Uh, Sister Arlesa, if you could uh, bless us in with prayer. Dear God, thank you for blessing our loved ones and everybody on this prayer line. Please give us the strength and um, let us all have a blessed and safe year as well as this winter. In Jesus' name, pray hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Um, as we uh, recall from last week's Bible study, we did uh, read and study in the Exodus chapter 13. And in that chapter, we, um, we uh, looked at the firstborn. Um, the the plague upon the uh i'm sorry the consecration of the firstborn um the covenant um which brought us back to the covenant of uh between god and and abraham amen amen so and also we went over uh when in crossing the red sea in verse 17 when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not leave them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. Now, this was a longer route, and we see even in our lives Sometimes we have the, the, the goal, the desire to reach a certain expectation in a certain length of time, and it takes us longer. And it's not because of uh, uh, to discourage us, but to protect us. You know, we often recite different things that we hear. God, thank you for the storms that you have brought me out of. And also the quote, God, thank you for the storms that I knew nothing about. Well, this is one of them. So when, when you hear that, you can go right back to Exodus chapter 13 and remember how the Lord brought the Israelites uh, out of Exodus, taking the longer route instead of a shortcut. Praise God. Also in our last week's uh, Bible study, we went over Genesis chapter 7, which included about uh, Noah and the ark. And we also uh, uh, praise God, praise God. We're just getting started. Praise God. So we went over last week in uh, Genesis chapter seven about Noah uh, and the ark and how uh, God gives instructions. And that's one thing we have to remember. God gives specific instructions, not to hear himself talk, but one of which 
through his instructions, as we even see the instructions in Exodus chapter 13, along with Genesis chapter 7, these instructions that God gives us strengthens us. And we're able to appreciate what he has in store for us. Because I'm sure that if uh, things came easy, we don't appreciate it as when we have to struggle for it. And I speak from personal experience. Amen. Uh, anybody else have anything to add about last week's Bible study? question the the clean animal well unclean animals and and what we could do we're going to go to leviticus okay we're going to go to the book of leviticus and i believe it's in chapter 11 um yes it is okay clean and unclean animals and what we did briefly go over in the book of leviticus chapter 11 um, some examples of unclean animals, um, the pig. Um, also, I don't know if it's, it's, it's uh, said in here, but catfish. Um, but looking into, yeah, um, looking into Leviticus chapter 11, um, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, say to the Israelites of all those that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. Now, let's let's look up um, a, a couple of words. Okay, what is a cud? Okay, now uh, the clinical dic dictionary of a cud is something partly digested, partly digested food returned from the first stomach of the mouth for, uh, for further chewing. And some examples of that, um, cows, you ever hear of cows, uh, sheep, they chew and swallow their partly digested food over and over again before finally swallowing. And that's one thing that we as humans do. We chew our food thoroughly. Um, if you ever uh, heard of uh, a person, they don't, uh, a human being, um, they don't chew their food properly. They just swallow and sometimes is equated as being a glutton. Okay, so, you know, uh, some of the things that, you know, what, what brings me to the way the Lord instructs us 
it it brings us to different commands and and rules and regulations in God's law, and one of which gluttony is a sin. Now, some people um, say, okay, well, all overweight people, obese people like myself, uh, don't love the Lord is the glutton, but God knows our hearts and He also knows our mind. Gluttony is is gluttony could be actually um, sexual um money some people can be, be glutton money i'm sorry what was that oh i'm having a hard time okay i'm sorry repeat that again Exactly. And and judging, judge standing in judgment of others is can be a gluttony. That's what we have to understand. Um, and, and that helps us with also overcoming and, and getting through spiritual warfare. And um my sons and daughter were working on a project right now. Um, this you know, about uh, spiritual warfare and and one of the keys is recognizing spirits you know jealousy and then there's envy envy is an emotion jealousy is a spirit you know gluttony is a spirit you know um depression uh is 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 a spirit you know, that tries to overpower and overwhelm us, you know. So um, also, you know, standing in judgment with people is also a spirit. Um, however, you know, when you are called to the right to judge, that's not a spirit. That's an obligation and a duty. If, yeah, if you see an injustice, the Lord tells us that we are supposed to speak up for that uh, person when they can't speak for ourselves. Yes, amen. So going uh, further into the Bible, um, let's look up what a hoof is. Uh, before uh, I do that, anybody have any questions so far? Okay. Now, when I hear <clears throat> about a hoof, I think of a horse. Now, that's one thing. So, let's, uh, the clinical dictionary, according to Oxford language, uh, a hoof is the horny part of the foot of an ungulate animal, especially a horse. Okay. Um, so, when you think of when when God is telling us what uh, not to eat, of course, I don't know of anybody that would want to eat a horse. But with certain people having certain unclean spirits, they desire unclean things. And that's how we have to look at it as unclean animals. 
So when we look with the unclean animals, we understand why the Lord is saying that these things um, we should not uh, digest, we should not eat. But yet both unclean and clean animals have a purpose because they both were allowed on the ark. Amen. And I want to uh, read this a little for, further too. Um, there are some that only chew the cud or only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Um, now, in, in, in reading this too, now this is in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, uh, and, and we're going to go over that, and that's going to be a re reading assignment for us, is how some of the unclean animals we are later able to eat. Yes, and you know what? We might go over that tonight. We might go over that uh, tonight. Um, you, I, know, I, you know who did tell me? Uh, they didn't know exactly where, but I remember your grandmother, she said, in the New Testament, and then she said, Jesus. Oh, that's she good. But she, mm -hmm. you know, not always wonder, you know, but I never did, you know. I, mm -hmm. you know, read and find out further, but she, she, was, she said, you know, she had told me that because I was sitting down, oh my goodness, and all the pork I've been eating and loving it. I know, and that's... Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's it's a lot of it's a lot of interesting facts and and things that's in the Bible that just brings a lot of things to to life and and why people think a certain way, feel a certain way. Amen. Amen. And one thing I want to touch upon before we uh move forward. Um, the Hyrax, you know, let me make sure I'm saying this name right. Hyrax. Okay. It's Hyrax. Okay. Now, yes, the Hyrax, because I, I was like, what is a high, what is it? I was calling it a Hyrax. I said, what is a Hyrax? And when I looked at it just now, it kind of looks like a rat a little bit. 
And so now this is another thing that's uh, considered in Leviticus an unclean animal. And when you look up um, the high rats, to me, they look a little bit like a rat, you know? Um, So you get to see some things that are just, you understand why these laws are given. Even when you, when you look at a pig, you know, and I, like I said, I got bacon, I got pork chops in my freezer. Um, I even got ribs, you know, but when you look at the lifestyle of a pig, you know, they eat it slop. They, they are unclean, you know? So, but what we're going to do, we're definitely going to, um, uh, uh, look into the new Testament about, um, the, the, um, the clean animals or what, uh, how we are able to eat some of the other animals. Um, but again, it goes and we have to cook it a certain way. Yes. Amen. Are there any questions? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Um, mm-hmm. And Brother Desmond, do you have any questions? Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate everybody on. We got brothers uh, Patrick, Brylin, Sister Alessa, Sisters uh, Nicole and uh, Patricia and Brother Desmond on. Um, yes, Brother Brylin, Patrick. So thank you all so much. Um, what we're going to do, if uh, anybody has the daily bread dated for October 18th, uh, and if so, if they wanted to read it. Amen. Did you want me to read it? Hello? Okay, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, amen. Thank you. Okay, is it called Beyond Words? Yes, it is. Okay. Isaiah 53, 55, 2 Thessalonians 1. This man heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. 2 Corinthians 12, 3, 4. Thomas Equinus born in 1225 to 1274, was one of the church's most celebrated defenders of the faith. Yet, just three months before his death, something caused him to leave unfinished his Summa 
Theologica, the massive legacy of his life's work. While reflecting on the broken body and the shed blood of his Savior, Equinus claimed to see a vision that left him without words. He said, I can write no more. I have seen things that make my writing seem like straws. Before Equinus, Paul too had a vision. And two Corinthians, he described their experience. Whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows. Was caught up to the paradise and heard inexpressible things. 12, 3, 4. Paul and Antiquitous left us to reflect on an ocean of goodness that neither words nor reason can express. The implications of what Equinus saw left him without hope of finishing his work in a way that would do justice to God, who sent his son to be crucified for us. By contrast, Paul obtains the light, but he did so in the awareness of what he couldn't express or finish in his own strength. In all the troubles Paul encountered in service to Christ, 2 Corinthians 11, 16, 33, 12, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, chapter 8 through 9, he could look back and see in his weakness and goodness beyond words and wonder. By that, reflect and pray. What problem have you had that seemed like a curse? How have you seen God show himself good to you in ways you can't describe? Father in heaven, please give me the courage today to look for an inexpressible sense of your presence and strength in my weakness. Amen. Amen. Uh, anybody want to answer, share their thoughts? I don't know if I'm able to answer and... Um, you know, we're not giving somebody who can't. I don't want to be. Oh, no, go ahead. No. Mm -mm. I've ever done a 
Uh, he said, you know, I'm telling this off my daughter going off to college. And you know what? That's how you took a break. And uh, I thought I was going to have to go home. Then I Ubered home. But instead, I went home in my car. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for God. Yes. Because I tried to come here. So I just want people to understand a lot of times it's not a curse. It's a test that's going to be a testimony. So don't let Satan charge your heart like he did me. And, and I, 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 I don't be honest. You know, I let him get a hold of me very well with the last week as well. But I, I, I have Satan to get behind me right now because I'm testifying at this moment and feeling the uplifting of my spirit that, wait, God has for me is for me. And that's why I'm that's a testimony right now what he said for me. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. And and the one thing that I want uh I would like for everybody to to kind of uh digest um since we're talking a lot about what things is clean and unclean to 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 digest to consume and and that is uh the word curse because one thing you all ought to remember no person can curse what god has already blessed it's not going to happen it's not going to happen you know, and, and the adversary wants us to to feel that resentment, that feeling is that this dark cloud hovering over over us, and the dark cloud is really the adversary and the demons. It's not a curse because you 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 can't curse what God is blessed. You understand? Actions curse people. People talk about generational curses, but really what, what a lot of people are finding out is that it's generational cycles because Jesus broke the curse. If you believe and, and you live uh, uh, according to what God has destined and, and you believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and your actions exemplify that, how can there be any generational curses? We inherited death. We inherited sin. We did not inherit curse. Back in Exodus, it talks about the the generational curses. uh, And that was Moses speaking. But again, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, broke that. Amen. So when we look in here beyond words, what problem have you had that seemed like a curse? My action in unforgiveness and holding grudges. That was my problem. That was my hindrance. And since I let things go, God continues to open doors. And I have this thing to where I, I can't dwell 
in the shadow of death of unforgiveness. I can't do that because it hinders you. And, and how have you seen God show himself good to you in ways you can't describe? You know, the fact that sometimes we as a family or even in, in friendship or, or, or whatever have you, can bicker and argue. And sometimes we say things that we're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not going to get past this. I can't take it back or whatever else like this, you know? And God, the Holy Spirit that dwells in us takes over to where you forgive and things is erased from your memory. And that's the beauty of God. And then not only that, but the same family unit that the adversary tried to throw a wrench in, that family unit will work together to help one another out. In the midst of our storm, when we have sinned, by thought, word, of deed, which is sometimes in anger and we say things and different things like that, God still blesses us. And then we go back and we be a blessing to somebody else. That's God. Any thoughts? Yes, yes, and and one moment, uh, we will be right back with more with uh, studying in the Word. On the path to success, we find many adversities. What and to whom can be the stumbling block? Are we being spiritually punished for some things? Or is there something or someone trying to hinder us from receiving Almighty God's blessings? Thinking outside the plantations is based on the evidence-based perspective. Evidence shows who and what is oppressing people today. The plantations of depression, suicide, domestic violence, and addictions will not define us. We have the power to become free. This book will guide you through breaking the chains, thus enabling you to step off those mental and philosophical plantations that impede your social growth. This book is written by abuse survivors and designed for your individual and group studies. Books are available on Amazon.com, both the instructor's manual and the individual book. Okay, yes, Brother Desmond. Go ahead with your question. Okay, now my question is, um, I'm a 
question is about somebody who is atheist. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about, you know, how they talked about curses. Mm-hmm. Now, that person, they meet somebody, they have a child. Is that child born into innocence or is that child born into a curse? Well, you for, know what I mean? Are they forgiven as well? Okay, well, first, okay, now the first part of your question about someone who's dynamically possessed, remember, Jesus himself cured many demon possessed people. And one of the, yeah. the, the, one of the one of the many blessings that Jesus bestowed on us is that we will be able to do greater works than even he did on in heaven which one of them is exercising devils okay with that being said we look at it is not who has been possessed but it is the entity that has taken possession that needs to be removed with that being said it's just like again when jesus said in in the scripture when his disciples asked him and i do believe it was um uh, a young boy that was uh deaf and let me let me get that scripture uh let's see Okay, so um, and um, I'm a I'm a find the scripture, but uh, in the scripture, the disciples asks Jesus, "Who have sinned, the the parents, because the the person was disabled." And Jesus said, neither, because in your weakness, I am strong. So uh, there was many people um, that had disabilities um, because of our imperfection in our flesh and because of the fall of man, we now are, we we have that, uh, um, ability to to be flawed and then it compasses so much so i do want to find those scriptures and i will get them on the break and these are really good uh uh questions thought-provoking questions but to answer the first question um everybody has the ability to be redeemed and uh, saved when they call on Jesus. Jesus himself did not discriminate. Uh, He did not discriminate against uh, who was poor, who was sinning. Um, Again, Mary Magdalene, who uh, when the Bible talks about when, when Jesus told her to go away and sin no more, 
the Bible says she was relieved of several devils. Okay, so she was more than just promiscuous. She had a lot of other stuff going on. You know. So what about what about? Sorry. No. But my question is, what about Paul? Like you know how Paul turned his back on Jesus. He he um denied him what three times? Well, that was Peter. Now remember, right, right. Now remember Peter. Okay, Peter. Remember, he walked on water with Jesus. Remember? Okay, so his yeah. faith was strong and he lost his way. He His faith was shaken. Now, Peter did deny Jesus three times. And there were some other things that Peter was doing because it got to the point where Jesus turned around and he's, he said, you know, Satan get thee behind me. And he was talking at Peter, you know, so there was a lot of things that Peter was doing, but what we have to remember, the closer we are to God, the more the adversary will taunt us. Okay. Because Satan was in Jesus's ear enough to make him go to that ledge. Job, remember, cursed the very day he was born. So, now, this is my question. Mm -hmm. Like you you were saying, the closer we are, the adversary comes at us. Mm -hmm. So, you know how they say we're supposed to say prayed up? Mm -hmm. And we are supposed to put on a what is it? A suit of armor. Mm-hmm. Full armor God judgment, yeah. Amen. Yeah. So 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 this is my question. Like if we're doing all this, right? And mm-hmm. God God is over everything. Why does God allow Why does God allow Satan to come at us? The same I reason, mean, and, and to answer that question, the, the very reason is because some of us let Satan in. You know, because, you know, and, and I hate to say it like that. No, I don't. Because, you know, God is so good. God is so great. He tells us time and time again, love one another. Help one another out. Encourage one another. You know, he, he down to what even because of mankind's desire to be seen, to be great, to upstage our creator, okay, because that's what it comes down to. He still tells us what we should do Because trouble is going to come. Look what they did to Jesus. Jesus was perfect. You know, so it's to me to, to, to put this politely and to put this um, religiously, I must say this. The reason why God does not intervene is because we as 
individuals need, need to take accountability. We need to take accountability. My thing is me. I'm, I'm, I'm obese. Is that God's fault? Because I'm sitting over here eating, can't push the plate away? When I was out homeless, was that God's fault? Or, or was it my fault because at times I was so concerned about materialistic things, I didn't pay the rent? When, when people um, get STDs, is that God's fault? He said, don't go in the rain, you know, and, and I'm putting that politely because he says one man for one woman. You know, so God is not a genie. God doesn't owe us nothing. He gave us life. He gave us individual talents and gifts. He gave us a holy Bible book that we can utilize our, our capacity in which he has destined us to, to live it. And it's up to us to embrace that. Does that answer it? Yeah, that, that pretty much answers it. You know, and... and I, Go ahead. Anybody else have anything uh, they want to share? I just wanted to say, yeah, like the judgment is not like how Pastor Michelle Carter Douglas has said. Uh, basically, here's your dad, you lied in it because, um, you know, this is what you're, you're dealing with. But how she said it, you know, uh, if the devil's knocking at your door, why do you have to let him in? Exactly. Uh, okay. What always comes, you know, you levy him in, you, you, you just welcome him in. Just like you welcome in a visitor that's knocking on your door that is of God, you can welcome an evil spirit into your door as well. And sometimes how happy said, you know, not to say that I'm being materialistic and evil, but we are caught up in the different wishes of this world. And if somebody's knocking on your door and looking a certain way, driving a certain car, you're more likely to let that person in than you are somebody that's dressed more mindfully and don't look like they, you know, have it. And I know for me, I'm not saying that again, uh, like what it does, I did it to myself, but I got all caught up in what I had, okay? That was not a lie. Say, look, I got a major, look, I got a nice house, look, I got a good job, look, I got this. You know, and sometimes what happens is when you get so caught up in the world, who is in charge of this world? We know who oversees this world, that's God. Right. Mm -hmm. The devil has the ability to get into our soul. If we are of this world, that's why the Bible says you are supposed to be set apart from the world. Because Psalm 1 says you are not to walk with the ungodly and the people that are not of this world. Because, uh, I mean, of this world. Because if you walk with people that are ungodly and of this world, that is a captive on a leash. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And again, there's nothing that happens to good people, meaning that there's people, young kids that get cancer. There's a super interesting like St. Jude. I'm sure their parents and other people ask them, why did God allow this cancer to happen to this innocent person? What kind of God allows this kind of suffering for a child? And again, it's all about them letting Satan into them to have the assessment of the cancer in their body. But again, it's about why was this child born with this disease? There's a purpose for everything God does. Sometimes we don't understand it now, Brother Desmond, but we understand it better high and high. So sometimes to ask those questions, and again, Pastor Desmond says it better than me asking them. Yeah. I remember my whole little mind can't, can't think that high of life that, that we can just put that in our mind. If that's that we can utilize the tools we have, which the Bible says, you cannot judge God. You cannot question Him. But all you have to realize is, is that if you don't have your mind firmly in prayer, Satan will get in your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you allow Satan to get in your mind, I'm said, that is when things happen. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we only have nobody to blame. What I mm-hmm. Amen. And 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 that is so true. And everybody on this line is very eloquent. And I, you know what? And and that's the beauty of God. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. The beauty of of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You cannot operate and function outside the body of Christ. You can't do it. And and, and let me explain. Sometimes we are so in the flesh that we think that we don't need other people. And case in point, when I was going through stuff, I was like, you know what? Hey, look, I'm I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm done. And God brings us right back. That's the same thing with life. We can't function without God. There's no way. And 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 I think it's very selfish how some people, and that's one thing I will will say. I thank you, Jesus. Because even in my walk, I never felt like God owed me anything. However, I did feel that the world owed me something because of what I went through and all them bullies and all them tormentors and all this other stuff, you know, they owe me. And and in my ignorance, there was a period in my life where I said I wasn't going to work and I was going to be on welfare because society owed me the hardships and pain. God, the community, nobody owes me anything. The situations that I went through in life, they were bad situations, but I thank God for them because it made me a good person. It taught me how to love. 
It taught me how to be a pastor, how to be a minister, how to be a mother, how to be a sister, how to be a friend. You understand what I'm saying? And the people in this world today and, and to come, until people understand that God is such a divine and beautiful God, and that it's up to us to, to shed our light to help others. We're always going to find ourselves traveling through the exodus, traveling through the wilderness. And, and, and I want to share something. It's, it's this other, it's this lady. She's a survivor as, as well as I am. Okay, we're both survivors. And she's on social media, you know, um, about what she's went through. So the first time she inboxed me, she asked me for some money to help her on a project to help other survivors. And I'm like, so she's definitely not on the vine because she will understand what I'm going through. Okay. And so she's constantly asking me to share her stuff, but she's not sharing nothing on mine. And then she inboxed me. I haven't heard from this lady in several months. She inboxed me last week, wanted me to share a reel of hers. And I said, well, sister, have you shared anything of mine? And she says, well, I really don't go on people's pages. I said, okay. So I shared it anyway. I didn't get a thank you. I didn't get anything on my 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 page shared. And I said to myself, she's talking about being delivered from her exodus, but she's still walking around in it. And I wish her the best. And I can't look down on her because I was in a similar exodus. You know, and sometimes, you know, Brother Desmond, I think what we get is we 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 feel as though sometimes okay god possesses he's he's sovereign he's everything he's omnipotent you know and and we want him to cure our situation we want god to heal our situation but he we don't want to put in the effort it's just like me saying god take away my diabetes but i'm still drinking kool-aid Amen. Uh, any other thoughts, anyone? I just like the way you put that in perspective. Glory to God. Glory to God. And it's 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 the truth. It's the truth. And and, and you know, and it's just like some people they say, I'm so miserable, I'm so unhappy. Why don't I have no friends? Why will quit complaining? Smile a little bit. Encourage people. I love the. 
Go ahead. Yes. Amen. It's funny you say that. Mm-hmm. I have no complaints. Because years and years ago, there was a pastor, my mother's pastor, um, Dr. Reverend Lee. And he delivered a sermon. And the sermon was, I have no complaints. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, it's hard being in this world not to form an opinion or not to say something. Like, you know, and then he he, he was talking about it. He said, you have to look at life itself. When you say, I have no complaints. And the thing is, you're saying, God gave us light. Why are we complaining? We fall down, we have to get up. And he was like, a person can come into your, to your world and say, it's you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. And they're bringing a negative, and that negative sometimes overshadows the positive you have. But he was saying that the reason why you gotta say you have no complaints is because God gave you the chance, and he also gives you the ability to move past that negative. And it, the reason why I say it's funny you say that is because it, it's, you're really touching on something that's true. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the truth. And, and I under, I get it. You know, I really get it. Cause you can't, you have the ability to change things. So mm-hmm. I, I understand where you're coming from. That's, that's all I want to say. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And um, next, uh, before we take a break, um, I did find the scriptures about uh, the unclean, the, the unclean animals. And it's in Mark chapter 7. And that will be a good reading assignment for you all um, tonight and throughout the week. Um, Just comparing Leviticus chapter 11 and Mark chapter 7. So um, in in Mark chapter 7, verse 1, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing. Holding to the tradition of the elders, when they come from the marketplace, They do not eat unless they wash. 
and they observe many other traditions such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are from far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Verse nine, and he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared, all foods are clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So you see that? So even if if you if you sit up here and and you don't eat a pig, you don't eat catfish, you don't eat a uh 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 what is that um oh what is that other a hybrid well that that uh other animal a camel we'll use that one if you don't eat that if you don't eat the unclean animals but you're around here stealing, killing, adultery, 
all kinds of sexual immorality, you're unclean. And 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 you know what? And I, I will say this because this reading, this scripture brings me back to a place in my life. I constantly wash my hands. I, I grew up that way. You wash your hands before dinner. That that you, you you if you go outside, you come back in the house, you better wash your hands. But yet, as a teenager, I was fornicating. Now you see, these are the things that we that God is talking about. You wash your hands, you say your prayers, but you're sinning. That's right. Whichever dog that was, he just said, Amen. <laughs> but you know, and and that and you know what? And, and thoughts, thoughts, anyone? Any any thoughts? I'm so glad you did find this because I feel like my mother she didn't know exactly where, but this is what she was trying to explain to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I must have been about twelve or thirteen, but she said it's in there and it's in the New Testament, Daddy. Mm-hmm. And this really, really does explain it. People, you know, a lot of times. With only a few minutes until they could exit to Koenigsegg Parkway, the roads and traffic take a turn for the worse. Readers and friends, the angel of death was near. Sterile and John prayed silently to Almighty God. Are they spared? Everyone hopes for a perfect love story. Some people dream of taking an adventure. In a small town named Poughkeepsie, New York, a couple and six young adults will meet and change one another lives forever. Take this journey in the adventures of Gurgle Boy, written by author Patrick M. Douglas. This book is available on Amazon.com. Amen. We're back. So the main thing that when we talk about intimacy, because intimacy um, is pleasurable and sexual sexual immorality is is an addiction. And as I was stating, uh, one of the the goals and objectives that I have in in doing this podcast and doing the, the Bible study is to bring awareness and and raise the importance in celibacy, monogamy, and marriage. You know, it's imperative that uh, 
those that cannot contain are married. And the adversary is polluting people's minds, you know, and we as women and men have to bring back the sanctity of marriage. You know, it's coming to where um, sexual intercourse is almost like a handshake now. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, and then too, in 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 my honesty and transparency, you know, um, after I divorced and I was celibate for some time and um, whatnot, and I I dated, it was like, okay, well, you know what, I I do want to possibly marry again, but you know, I I I want. It, it, a selfish thing. I want to feel good, you know, and you just have to pray over it. Just like now, you know, I, I decided, I said the person that I was seeing was not good for me. He was supposed to be an elder, but he never picks up a Bible. He was picking up a fork and a spoon more than he did the, the Holy Bible. That's not an elder, you know, and that's not conducive. You know, I'm sorry, but you know what? They God gave me that name behind closed doors for a reason, you know, because I just, you know, and, and it's a shame, but it's true. So, you know, you just have to be like, okay, that person, you know, if, if they a certain age, 60 years old, and they still like, you know, back in trying to be like Shaft, it, it's not going to work, you know? Like, I'm almost 50. I'll be 50 in December, you know? I know. You know, I'm not Pam Greer. I'm Michelle Carter Douglas, and I'm a pastor and a minister. You know, and and it's just imperative that that we as people, you know, bring accountability and keep the religious code. You know, if a person is in a relationship, if they're married, leave them alone. You know, monogamy celibacy, chastity, you know, um, any thoughts? No, I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, I supposed to stumble nobody if you're in the position of power 
You cannot be no. And I know some people, they, they talk about with Solomon and, and all this other stuff. Well, first of all, uh, the Bible says the main thing, one husband to one wife. Just because somebody else is sinning with sexual immorality doesn't mean you have a past because your exodus is not their exodus. So if we go all the way back because Moses killed a man, does that mean if somebody give up, get on our nerves or do wrong, we have the justification to kill them because Moses did it? Okay, I think not. People have to stop... Yeah, you 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 can't you 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 can't do that. Some you know, and and, and then to you know, and and this is not to to say anything about different um, beliefs or whatnot, but you know, the one thing is this: marriage, celibacy, monogamy is beautiful. Because if it's one person with one person, you don't have to worry about no diseases. You don't have to worry about going to the grocery store, going to out check out five, and you didn't see three people you was with, uh, and and you with your man. Now that's ridiculous. You know, and people don't think of it like that. You know, don't nobody want to run up on somebody and you didn't have this person side. Exactly, you know, and we, we, you're right, sister. You're right, sister. Cole. We got to bring this back, you know. We have to bring it back. It's imperative. That's why so many things, because you, the COVID is not gone, you know, and then we're going up on different other pandemics. People are becoming more and more aggressive. Prices are going up on food. This is this is the next level in the shift of the revelations. It's making way where in the, in the futuristic terms, um, and, and Sister Pat even and I talked about this about you know you're gonna have to have a chip to get something to eat and to pay bills. It's coming to that. Money is starting to lose its value. You need more of it to survive. You know, we have to get it together. We have to get it together. Families have to, to plead the blood. And I, I do want to share this too. Um, in John chapter 9, I finally found the, the scripture. John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, 
made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seen. So you know what? This brother Desmond is to answer your question about, uh, you know, the the uh, possessions and disabilities and different things like that. You see right here, there is no generational curses. This, this mentality that people are carrying on even today's time is what I call generational myths. You believe because something is going on that this is a punishment. No. Mm -mm. Any thoughts? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because there was some evangelists, one that I remember well, I passed the vision to Long, Abby Eddie Long. And that's all he used to talk about is that generational curse. And, you know, it, it got to be to the point where. People believe that generational curse so much that they set up their own growth mm-hmm. And instead of how you're interpreting his scriptures, helping us when our relationship is closer to God, what Bishop Long did was set up their growth with their relationship with God, but wanted him to be their father. You're right, you're right. And and you know, and another thing, Heavenly Father, allow me to be quiet so other people can talk. I just I just love conversation and I do apologize. I don't wanna, you know, uh uh you know, interrupt while people are speaking. But you are so correct, uh my sister, you are so correct. And I think what it is, you know, when you think of a curse, you think of something being inevitable. You can't escape it. You're doomed. And this is how the adversary works. And you begin to see the tactics of the enemy. God speaks life. God encourages. God gives hope. He gave hope to to people who have killed, maimed, uh, uh, been fornicators, you know, uh, he, he didn't say, and I love using, you know, examples from the old Testament. Cause I really can relate to a lot of the stories and stuff. Um, Tamar in the Bible, you know, her, her, her tricks to, you know, um, uh, to, to, uh, have the baby and stuff and dress up and, and whatnot. But, you know, Jesus didn't tell Mary Magdalene, uh, stand right there so then people could stone you because you're a harlot, you're doomed, you're cursed. No, he didn't say that. So if 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 Jesus, when he walked the earth, he didn't preach about generational curses. This is something that's taken out of Exodus. You know, and and uh we're gonna get into that too. I because I, I, I don't want to keep um you know, bringing it up, but you know, this is just to make people think that they can't escape anything. Yeah, 
Uh, any thoughts? <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, I do get what you said, like about um, monogamy and stuff. Um, for me personally, like I prefer a woman who's a virgin. Mm-hmm. However, I want to make this like I still respect people. Like if you have sex with multiple people, okay, that's fine. The reason why I want a virgin for my wife's is because you are. Well, actually, primarily, I want to make sure the child's mine. I don't want to take care of another man. That's why I want criteria, criteria for, for like for having me for a woman is once must be a virgin, or once or have slept with one person, but with special exception, whatever. And she has no kids. Because I don't want to deal no drama and stuff. Baby father. Yeah, and, and also, and here's one thing. Like, I, I still respect, like, let's say, like, people have OnlyFans or whatever. Because, like, what I'm tired of hearing for some weird, like, so-called red pill man on the internet talk about, oh, women body counts, they're sluts, but it's okay for men to sleep with multiple women. Like, first of all, and this is like Andrew Tate. First of all, this is a rich man who slept with many women, but you shame the very people who you slept with the most. That doesn't make any sense. You know, that's like me if I, if I'm vegan, and mom, and let's say I go to KFC get vegan chicken, and mom <laughs> and, and mom goes to KFC get real chicken, I call mom all touch and call her B words. Oh, you piece of crap! You got um, chicken like real meat. But we both paid the same money for KFC. Well, you, and, and I and I and I get what you're saying. And 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 just because it's a podcast, we just got to clarify some things. When you say that you, uh, Patrick, and we just being honest, no. have you ever had any? Uh, 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 yes. No. Okay. So, and I understand that because that's the way I I I, I raised y'all not. And hey, look, my kids ain't perfect, ain't no better, no worse than no other kids. I'm not saying that. But one of the which I was so quick at a young age to, to you know, um, I, I wanted my children to understand the importance, the importance and how precious uh, that is. And it's a gift to be given to your your married uh, partner and which you're talking about. Now, what is the ideal age of a wife that you would marry right now if you did find her? I would say, if let's say I'm 40, mm-hmm. I would say at least the minimum is either my age or maybe lower, older, or maybe at the youngest, 25 at least. Okay, so 40 and, and the youngest is 25. Yeah. Okay, but you would date older. How much older? If you're 40, what's the oldest? I guess 50. Lord Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so we just want to clear everything up. So if anybody out there want Brother Patrick to get hitched. <laughs> Look, because he's 28 right now. That's a, 
That's right. So That's right. It's very reasonable and it makes a lot of sense because one thing that I have to show that Sarah, Sarah Abraham wrote a lot about that. But there was a lot of people in the Bible that then did very women that were considered younger than them. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons why was because of the ability to conceive. Mm-hmm. Because I could be wrong, But I'm just saying, you know, you know, the devil, 
Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's, and that's something that we need to speak about in the Bible study, importance of uh, the black uh, man and, and the male, the male uh, presence in the home. Now we have Brother Brylin, Brylin, uh, now Brother Patrick's 28 and Brother Brylin. Now we're talking about marriage as well. Uh, ideally, what uh, would the age of the wife be uh, for you? Come on, so they can hear you. So how old? Come on. Well, since I'm 22, I think I'd rather date a 25. Okay. Okay. So Brian's uh, age bracket, he said, because he's twenty-two, uh, is twenty-five, and and twenty-five to twenty-eight. Lord have mercy. Okay. Uh, oh Lord, and then he jumped at twenty-five to thirty. Lord, yeah. So they they got their stuff, you know. Um, now, I, I want to uh, also uh, briefly talk about, and this is a really good Bible study. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to uh, take a short break, uh, play a song, and we are going to come back. And I'm going to read out of Exodus uh, chapter 14. Wait a minute, no, I'm sorry. It's uh, Exodus actually. Exodus chapter uh, 20 and Numbers uh, chapter 14. And we're going to briefly talk about generational curses. Um, Next week, our Bible study, we're going to pick back up on Exodus chapter 14, Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to tie all of this in, um, you know, discussing about generational curses. Uh, whether it is myth, 
or fat. Okay, we will be right back with Studying in the Word. I am Minister Michelle Carter-Douglas. Amen. Welcome back to Studying in the Word. I'm Minister Michelle Carter-Douglas. Praise God. Um, as we uh, look, I, I want to look into the generational curses. Uh, let's see. Brother Desmond, are you still on the line? Yes, I am. Praise God. Praise God. Well, you know what? With If, if you guys can turn your scripture Bibles uh, to Exodus chapter 20, that's Exodus chapter 20. And um, this is another reading assignment for you guys uh, to read it in its entirety. I will be reading uh, verse uh, five. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Okay, the reason why I want to say this, you know, some people, they bring up generational curses. Okay, and they say is it is it, 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 it it's in Exodus, it's in Exodus. You see here, this is the Ten Commandments. This is this is going down to um the laws that the Lord um had for the people, and in verse five, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So if you hate God, you are cursed. Remember, cursed was Satan. Well, uh, uh, the, the, the snake, the serpent. Cursed is the ground. You know, uh, Adam had a specific curse. You know, when it talks about uh, this here, it reminds me when you hear about public assistance. When you're on public assistance, they say it takes about five generations to get off. Um, genera generational poverty. Um, when you think about it, and now this is another thing. And, and again, it's, it's a cycle, it's not a curse, but people need to shift the way that they're thinking. Um, when you are in a relationship and you have children and you decide that you wanna play house somewhere else and you leave that household, well, the kids, is without two parents, correct? So the last that I checked, it takes a, a, a nice hefty income for a two-parent household to raise the children that they got. So now by you leaving a household, how are you going to maintain two households? And then that child ends up growing up and they do the same thing. They abandon their kids. Domestic violence 
You understand what I'm saying? What it's talking about? Uh, domestic violence. That's another generational hardship. Uh, generational curses. I mean, some people got people thinking generational curses is um, you're not going to prosper. You're just going to be absolutely nothing. Your life is doomed. No, that's not what God is talking about. Because when you don't listen to God, you show a disposition between you and the Lord. He said, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Praise God. Hallelujah, Brother Brian. So, so my thing is, if you got some uh, golden calves, or you're doing one of Pharaoh's thing, you know, talking to these magicians and whatnot, what are you showing your children? And you don't think your children are going to pick that up? And, and listen to, to what the Lord is saying. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So to me, God is giving more love than he is showing punishment. And my thing is, when, when God is talking in these scriptures about punishing the children for the sin of the parents, if you set up, a, a, a covenant in your household with your kids, it passes from generation to generation to generation to generation. But you ever notice when you falter and you make mistakes, it's harder to kind of climb your way out of it? Yeah. That's what the Lord is talking about. You, you, you dig a ditch and you fall in it when God told you don't pick up the shovel. And you fall in and you telling your kids, come help me dig, dig me out of this ditch. And all they have is, is, is a twig and then they fall in. That's the way we need to look at it. Now let's turn our Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 14. That's Numbers chapter 14. Numbers Yes, yes, ma'am. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. That's Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. This again. This is again. See, I want people to, to, to just visualize this. Okay, I'm a parent. I go into a store and I steal something. Okay? I bring it back home. Now, in some uh, uh, places in this earth, in, uh, world, 
if you steal something, you get flogged with your hands. Some places even, you know, amputate your hands. Okay? So I go steal something. They they come and they get me. Okay? Who are they going to be? Me or my child? Okay, say that again. I go to a store. Okay, this yeah. and I steal something. In some areas they they flog you. Some areas will cut your hands off for stealing. Yeah. Now I go steal something and I make it my way to come back home and I'm in front of my children. They come in. Who are they gonna be? Me or my kids? You. Okay. So they beat me in front of my kids. All they know is mommy went somewhere and stole some food because we're hungry. Now my children have this generational perception that the law enforcement are wicked and bad. They beat my mommy. See, this is what we need to talk about. This is the way we need to see this stuff as generational curses. Not as God taking out uh, uh, unfettered uh, frustrations on innocent children and innocent generations. It's the actions. uh, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's the actions of the parents that actually do the punishment to the child. Alcohol, drunkenness. Are you seeing this? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Sister Pat? Now, Sam, you did explain now. Because, I, you know, it, it, now I do see what it means. It means like sometimes we can do some things and it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's wrong. And children see it, and they think it's okay to do, do because mommy and daddy got away with it, or if they got, you know, punished for it, you know, uh, or, you know, they don't understand quite why they may think that, you know, the people are being mean to them or something, or doing something wrong to them. So they, you know, they go and figure out, well, they did it, but I can I do it, but I got to be sure not to get caught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Now I'm going to take it a little bit further. The scripture, Psalm 3725. That's Psalm 3725. And I'm going to read this out of the King James Bible. I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now, let me stop right there. I'm going to recite this saying that I'm sure you all have heard before. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And I say that uh, Psalm 3725. 
Uh-huh, 25. Okay, 25. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're so welcome. No, no, no. This is this is Bible study. We all the body of Christ. So when we look at this psalm, it correlates, all the scriptures correlate. They all intertwine. It's, a, it's beautiful. So here, when I even look at my life, my grandmother's father was a sharecropper. And she used to instill in me the importance of home ownership. And she said, and also work ethic. And she used to say, because Michelle, I never want any of my kids or my grandkids or your children. This is even before I had kids. To ever be hungry. To ever be hungry. The Bible talks about the fervent prayers. Because my grandmother and grandfather showed exemplary parenting with their children. They passed it on to their children. And nobody's perfect. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a perfect mother. There can't be no perfect parent because we're all imperfect. So anybody that goes to try to profess is a liar. But back to the scriptures. Here, we see the importance of instilling God's laws. Because if it wasn't for that seed, none of what myself and my children have today would have flourished. Because my grandmother helped my mother get a house. My mother helped me and my children get a house. You see? And when we go back to the, the generations and, and things like that, we, we start to see what God is talking about. You, you understand? And I'm just gonna I'm, I'm just gonna say this. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But I'm just gonna I, 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 I'm, in order to study in the word, you gotta be you gotta be real. You see another case of this about keeping God's laws and the generations of, of, of being punished by the actions of the parents is because of what the parent does. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this example. Being a single mother, I vowed I was not going to bring different men over my children. You know, my mother didn't do it. My sister didn't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And sad to say, some people are in search of that love. And 
they open the door to an entity that I don't think they ever known might exist. And that entity can cause such a havoc in the household that years and years and years and years of hurt and pain can't even treat it, can't even treat the core of the pain. That's another thing. Your home should be a safe haven. Your home should be the tabernacle of God. Because once you establish that, once you establish God as your fortress, fortress and the hedge of protection over your household, your kids see that. And they'll pass it on to their children and vice versa. Any thoughts? No. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Uh, Brother uh, uh, Desmond, do you have any thoughts? And I'm just going to read a couple other scriptures. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Uh, and I, I do want to pull up this other thing about uh, scripture. Uh, I'm going to open it up to the floor while I look up the scripture. Any thoughts? Uh, that was which verse? In, uh, that was 2 Corinthians? Yes, it was. Uh, let me get it. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm looking up a scripture right now. The scripture I'm looking for is the scripture about uh, a parent's response. Well, uh, children's sins are not there. A child is not responsible for their own sins until they're 12. That's the scripture I was looking for. Okay, here here is uh, this one is Ezekiel. Chapter 18, verse 20. That's Ezekiel 18, verse 20. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to write some of these thoughts down so uh, I can get the scriptures so we can look them up next uh, week because I don't want to 
you know, uh, put too much information on everybody, but at least we have some uh, meat to digest, uh, you know, over, over, over the week to, to um, just keep this and, and resonate. And, and also this just gives us hope. Okay. It's Ezekiel 18, 20. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share, share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. So you see the comparison in Ezekiel 18:20 to uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse five, and Numbers chapter uh, 14, 18, you see what God is actually talking about. He's not talking about uh, the sins of the, like for instance, if, if, if the father and mother sin, uh, whether it's a sexual immorality or like I used the example earlier of theft, that does not mean, okay, well, guess what? The child now has to inherit the, the parent's sin. That doesn't make any sense because the wages of sin is paid by death. We individually die, go to God to, for judgment, and that's the wages of sin. I can't pay for my child's sin. My child can't pay for my sin. It doesn't... God doesn't borrow like that. It doesn't work like that. However, what it's talking about is what I showed example, our ways, our dis disposition with God will separate us from our inheritance. Uh, any, any questions? I think this will, how, how was today's study, everybody? I enjoyed it. Amen. Praise God. I got a lot of nourishment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Sister Patty, you could pray us out. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for this time that you Study your word and learn and talk among one another to get a better understanding and a better relationship with you, dear Lord. Lord, I just want to say I thank you. I thank you. And I thank you for all on this line and all who are able to want to be. We got a lot, a lot of nourishment for our souls, dear mm. Lord. A lot of nourishment, a lot of food. Because we need from your table and eat them every day that we can live our lives among all our brothers and sisters upon the church, dear Lord. There is no other way but your way. Without you, we are nothing. With you, we can do all things. So we have to hold on to our faith and our trust and believe. And we have to strive more and more each day to build our relationship and lean upon your Touching hands, dear Lord, and seeing and stay within your will, not ours, but your will. Because only your perfect will shall be done. 
Lord, we love you, we praise you, we give you all the honor and glory. We pray for this world and our community. Yes, Lord. We know you are there and always and always have been. And Lord, we pray that we trust in you, we believe in you, we open up our hearts to you, and we be filled with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That one day when our journey on this earth is done, we'll be coming to you with your open arms, where we will live in total peace, joy, and happiness forevermore. With all the saints and all the things that have gone before us that you have gathered, gathered into your kingdom. Until that day, dear Lord, we will give you all honor and glory as we walk this earth, living our lives for you and only you. Hallelujah. Praise the Holy Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. God is good. And I just want to thank all those for listening to this, this podcast for this uh, nourishment. And um, we just truly are so thankful to each of you. We love you all. Have a blessed, blessed night. May a blessing be upon you your household, your families, and your communities. This we pray in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Love you all. Bye. Love you more. Bye-bye. Every finishing point has a beginning. In our lives, every hardship we faced brought about a new beginning, a new horizon, a new triumph. Beginning of a new is just one short story written by author Brylon Douglas in his book, My Purpose Ordained by God, collection of adventure and short stories from an autistically gifted child. From the adventures of Jerry Young, who disguises himself to hide from the world, to Mama, Please Don't Go, another heartfelt short story about a young girl named Mindy who fears losing her mother. Take this inspirational journey through this book written by Brylon Douglas and available right now on Amazon.com.